Studio Stories, Studio Stories. A podcast reminiscing on Twin Cities dance history. All stories are connected, new ones woven from threads of the old. Hi, I'm Matthew Jindusky. Welcome to Studio Stories. Today, our guest to share a bit of their stories is Eddie Orion. Eddie is having an amazing career as a dancer, teacher, and creator across the globe with a vast array of experiences from early beginnings with Terry Creech uh, to many here in Minneapolis, particularly as a founding member and now artistic associate member of Black Label Movement, and now more abroad doing so many things. Uh, welcome, Eddie. Hello. Thank you so much for, for having me on this on this program. Yeah, again, it's just so awesome to hear your voice. It's been some time. Um, yeah. And I have so many memories of you in Arena and Shapiro and Smith rehearsals, as well as a performer and a plethora of, you know, instinctual movement qualities you have uh, that I always was, <laughs> I loved uh, to play with myself as a creator with you. Oh, uh, thank you. Yeah, it's quite honestly, um, I don't know, might become the longest interview because I have so many exciting <laughs> questions and just wanting to hear more and more from you of all that you're doing. So super cool. Yeah. And and with that, we are going to go all the way to the beginning of when did you start dancing and how is it you ended up in Minnesota? Well, uh, so I, I started um, college as a musical theater major, um, music performance, music theater. And then I moved to Stevens Point um, to to have a more focus on the music theater aspect. And they had a, actually a really good dance program at the time. And so I, um, I, I took tap. I took tap classes. And... Uh, yeah, I was really, I was really enjoying that. I was about to quit college though because I was a bit tired of the uh, political aspect that was part of the the music theater world, hmm. and so I I was uh, going to join Habitat for Humanity and uh, yeah, work on houses for some years. But uh, I I went to a jazz concert. And uh, one of the teachers there uh, knew that I, you know, I was open to things. And she called me on stage because uh, they were doing some improvisation. And I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and it was so much fun. Like, I enjoyed it so much. And and then I, I got asked to do a, a student production. And, uh, you know, they were doing some, like, African dancing and, and uh, some other stuff that I'd never done before. You know, before this, I, I had... I knew that there was tap and there was ballet and I didn't know much of anything of, of modern or contemporary. And uh, yeah, it really, it pulled me in. It was the first time I could really forget myself. Hmm. And uh, I, when I started uh, like dancing and sweating, um, there was something that turned on in my brain or turned off, you know, but it was, it was, uh, it felt really right. I was always getting yelled at for jumping on things and doing <laughs> hyper you eddie no yeah. <laughs> for the first time people were like yes do, that. do it <laughs> <laughs> yeah so yeah then i i i uh, auditioned i got encouraged to audition for the dance program and i was already a junior so it was my second semester junior year that i started i was 20 almost 21 um and then yeah graduated in like four semesters 
and uh, went to New York uh, pretty much after, like that fall after that, and was that's when I was with Terry Creech. Um, had a great, really like it was amazing opportunity. Uh, but I had uh, some personal things bringing me back to mid Minnesota to mid to Midwest. Okay. Um, I was married at the time, and I wanted to like I wanted to try to work it out, and um, and so I moved to Minneapolis because I heard there was a good dance scene, and I I heard about I heard about it through um, through some people that I met in Doug Doug Barone. Um, they were saying, okay. oh yeah, there's a good there's a good dance scene in Minneapolis, and I was like. Okay, well, I'll check it out, and um, I, you know, I I moved there, hearing about Shapiro and Smith, and Zenon was there, and uh, it was close to uh, my partner, and so I I chose to move there, maybe burned a bridge <laughs> with Terry because I I kind of picked up and left right in the middle of a, of a, some planning to go to Portugal and some other mm-hmm. stuff. So it was, it was a big decision. It, it was a big decision. And, and, uh, you know, my career, you know, would have looked much different if I had stayed there, but I'm, I felt so good coming to Minneapolis, to Minnesota. It felt like it felt so right. Yeah. So well, how interesting that you right out of graduating to went right to New York too. Like, yeah, you, you were gonna go for it. <laughs> I didn't plan it. I didn't. I actually, I, there was something about New York that made me that turned me off, uh, just because I I really have a hard time being around so many people uh, hmm. all the time, and not having access to nature easily. And um, you know, there was Central Park, but it it didn't feel uh, couldn't get real solitude there. You could go to the, you know, so forests that were north of the city, but it still was pretty expensive to go there. And I was super poor. Mm. So when I moved to Minnesota and I could, you know, <laughs> drive up to, uh, uh, St. Croix, uh, national forest or something like this and get, just get away. It was like, okay, this is what I needed. Oh, nice. So, yeah. When was that? What year was two, that? It was 2002. Um, okay. It was, yeah, I was only in New York for like six months. Uh, right after, right after uh, uh, 9-11, like, oh like a month afterwards. I was, I had a plane ticket um, maybe a week or two weeks afterwards. Of course, that was all canceled. And I had to take a train into the city. This, the, the area was still smoking. It still smelled like rubber. It was such a crazy time to be there. Uh, but people were really, f- like, helpful and generous to each other at the time. So it was also... I don't know. It was, a, it was a special time to be there, but also heartbreaking. Yeah. And did you have the job with Terry Creech before moving there? Okay. <laughs> yeah, that was that was a crazy thing because I didn't uh, uh, with with uh, Keith Johnson, who I admire enormously. He brought me out to help him with a, a creation of a piece up and uh, and um, in Salt Lake City. And there I met Steve Kester as well, and they both recommended me to Terry. And Terry said, okay, come in. And there was like a sort of audition thing. There was another guy, but then it was pretty much certain that I was going to have it. And I did. Hmm. So yeah, it was my first, yeah, first professional gig right away, right out of college. Yeah. (laughs) And his work is very like contact improv based, right? Yeah. It was so, it was so perfect. Cause I, contact improvisation was one of the first things that drew me into dance. I was so excited when I discovered, I was like, oh, 
but we can just make up stuff and touch each other. <laughs> I, I was so happy. I was like, I, I like rented the uh, wrestling room and and then and got a bunch of people together and put on some like opera music or something. And, and we just started dancing with each other, making things. And it was perfect. I, I really like it. it was like one of the best times of my of my university time. <laughs> <laughs> and that was your training and in, in, in contact or moving beyond the well, class. More or less. I had, I did have a, a, a teacher, um, Mary Fehrenbach, who was amazing, uh, Lamon background that also introduced us to, to some of this, uh, these ideas of contact improvisation. And so then, uh, you know, and we watched videos of, uh, you know, Paxton and, and, um, and so we were, you know, like we were introduced to these concepts and then I was like, okay, let's explore. Let's see what's possible. You know, I, I was watching like things like Palabolas. I was like, wow, you can do that with your body and another person. So yeah, I was, I was really curious. <laughs> Amazing. And I feel like the second you got here, I kind of have this memory actually of you, Eddie. Now, <laughs> now that we're talking, I'm like, you were kind of wandering the halls of the Cole Center. Yeah. Uh, and I think pretty much after that, you were like picked up by Xenon Dance Company. So if, there's a little, right? no, it's not quite right. So <laughs> I moved, I moved, I moved to the Twin Cities and I was, uh, I was actually working third shift at Target. It was horrible. I was like, oh my gosh. I was so like also going through this divorce and I was like, I was really, uh, down a lot. And, um, but I was taking dance classes. I was taking ballet, uh, at the Coles and then, um, you know, and, and, and writing Xenon and, and writing you and Shapiro and Smith and Joni, uh, I mean, uh, 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 two dance was just starting. So they were like, they were, I was having little conversations with them. And I remember, okay, so this, I don't, maybe you don't remember this, but you had set up a rehearsal to see me. We were supposed to, uh, you're, you know, you brought the whole company in and I called you that day. I felt so bad, but I called. Oh you my gosh! Day. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> and I said, Matthew, I'm sorry, but I decided I'm I'm going to stop dancing. <laughs> I'm yes, gonna go, I'm going to go back to school and get my my master's in English education uh, and my license. And so you were like, okay, uh, but I have all the whole company coming, and I was like, yeah, but it's not going to be worth it because I <laughs> made this decision. I'm sorry about this. So I was, and I stopped. I really, I stopped. Uh, I just was like, okay, I don't know. I'm not sure uh, if I really want to do this uh, for a living. I'm not sure. It's not so secure. And uh, and I really love teaching. I love English. I love literature. And I would love to share this with, with kids and be able to be a support system for some of these inner city kids. I really had a heart for this. Um, I still do. It was something that was like, okay, I this is something that has like, you know, uh, infinite possibilities for growth. I was working in also in uh, landscaping, and they were wanted to hire me out and and give pay for my my schooling to become a landscape architect. But then I, I also decided I want to go a different direction, and uh, and I did the program at the at U of M for uh, English education. Um, and yeah, so I stopped dancing for like two years, something like that. And then that's when <laughs> it was after that. So okay, here's 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 how, <laughs> here's how it goes. <laughs> uh, okay, so I was like, I got really antsy. I was like doing eight hours or more of just sitting in, in uh, a day 
uh, writing class, you know, it was probably like more like 10 hours. And I was, I was, uh, I was getting, you know, I had so much energy still. So I was like, okay, well, I was taking my maximum credits for uh, 13 credits for the, for the masters and anything above that I could uh, take for free. <clears throat> so there was, uh, I took Tony's ballet class and I, and then I took Carl's men's modern class at the time. And uh, that's when I met Carl. <laughs> and I have to say that that meeting and that class was what made me think, I think I want to get back into dancing. Uh-huh. And, uh, and, and I told him, I said, you know, I'm, I'm finishing up this program here, but if you, are, if you ever start a company, I would love to audition for it. And he told me, uh, if I get the head of the dance department, this year, um, I'm going to start a company and I would love you to be in it. And it just happened at that time that also, um, any town with Joni, uh, with Joni and Danny, they were in the middle of this, uh, production. And so my name came up and, uh, you know, Carl was in it. Jamie was in Jamie Ryan, you know, these are friends of mine. Yeah. And, And, uh, you know, and so then I was like, um, they asked me to come in and just be a backup for Danny. Um, and it was, it was, it was really interesting. That day was so funny because I was like, okay, I'll come and check it out. And Joni was really, um, uh, was like, really like, oh, come in, come in. Uh, it's really great to meet you. But Danny didn't know anything about me. Oh, so, so he was like, who's this guy? All right, well, you can stay. (laughs) And he didn't know that I was there to back him up because he was, you know, he had been diagnosed with prostate cancer. And, um, so they didn't, they weren't sure like, okay, is he going to be able to hold up through this? Anyway, he did because he like did all, you know, we did all the touring and everything and he, he held up through all of it amazingly. And in the end, they ended up putting me, having, uh, giving me my own part into the piece so like after two weeks, they're like, oh, we want you in it. <laughs> and, then <I> was, <laughs> and then I was like, in the dance world, I was like, okay, uh, <laughs> if I want to dance, I don't think I'm going to have time for teaching. Uh, and I really want to dance. Um, and so uh, I, I decided, okay, well, I can still do substitute teaching because I can choose my hours. And every day I would call in if I didn't have any dance rehearsals, because usually they're after in the af- afternoon and night. So I would, I would do teaching. I would substitute long-term substitute jobs and then come into rehearsal in the evenings. And then if there was a small tour or something like that, I could, it was no problem. So I still had a little bit access to this teaching world uh, for, these, for these years. Uh, yeah, and then Carl started Black Label Movement and, and we started going into, into that direction. So it wasn't actually, it was maybe like, it wasn't until 2000, and seven, I think that I joined Xena. So ah. this, this is all. This is all to come around. Um, it wasn't until two thousand seven, because uh, I was I was starting to watch their some of their shows. And I was like, oh, but there's some really nice people coming in here, uh, and so I was I was starting to get kind of excited about watching their stuff. And, and yeah, but yeah, and then and the, it was maybe I think it was probably around two thousand six or five that. I started working with you. Yeah, yeah, it was a two-year yeah. process for Ugly. It's so yeah. interesting. So Shapiro and Smith dance was your first uh, yeah. intro to our professional world here. <laughs> it was, yeah, it was. And it was 
it was a crazy it was amazing to do this creation for any time <laughs> with Bruce Springsteen music wow yeah and were you in that when I when I took over Danny's role yeah yeah, yeah. okay I, I thought so yeah yeah oh yeah, my gosh we're, we're, yeah no, that's so crazy <laughs> I'm getting it all mixed up now it's so funny yeah. no but it was well, it, it was a it was a crazy time for me. I didn't I didn't really know where it was going to go, but I was so happy to be dancing. Uh it was it became really this I was like, okay, I I think this is really what I want. Yeah, and you you really were dancing for, you know, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> I had, I forgot. Also right at the beginning I was working with Joe Koala in Flying Foot Forum. Oh my gosh. So there, you yeah, really there. were. <laughs> Incredible. Well, it just yeah. speaks to the talent that you have, obviously, and the energy that you just, you know, you could do all of that. <laughs> I think more uh, most the, the energy. I still think that. I still think like, what what do people like about me? I think it's just I have a lot of energy. <laughs> well, I would also argue that you have a, a great presence. So uh, thank you. But yeah, yeah. Well, I kind of wanted to jump in more to Xenon because I feel yeah. like let's do it uh yeah there was there was so many performances that you did there and yeah. how was how was that well let's see now i'm gonna go backwards here oh, sorry. again to black label movement to be starting something yeah. i think is so cool and you know carl obviously had his uh feet on the ground here for quite some time and to have that notoriety but to start a company and be part of that how how fun is that yeah no it was it was really exciting you know okay so you know when i first started dancing when i first left the university um i had the taste of uh, doug verone dance in uh, i had, they had come to perform at stevens point because adrian chang had gone there and um and I was just like floored and it was mm-hmm. it's one of the only times i ever cr- cried watching dance and uh it just it moved me so much and how animal they could be but still so fluid and i was so far from that in my body you know like i i i i think i could probably could have walked into companies um you know like palabolis and elizabeth streb um people were saying oh you should you should go for these but after i saw doug verone and um and I saw, and, and, and also Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. <laughs> that's, that's, that's yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, but I want to move like that. <laughs> you know, I don't want to use all my muscles all the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so it was like, that started my journey of like, okay, I want something that's not just this. So when I met Carl, it was such a great blend of what I had and what I wanted. Because he had mm. this background of uh, Lamone and Taylor that had this softness and uh, ease of movement um and and so then and then but then there was this like this like you know football player you know that he had, that he, he was this soccer player yeah so, yeah so it was like a, this kind of uh it was like okay but we want softness as well you know it's not just all about being hard and so the, yeah that, i was like okay this is this is really what i've been looking for and so I, yeah that was that was really a kind of made me think huh I'm going to come back into this world. 
and and then it just was and then it took off then it kind of propelled itself like because in working with Joni and then working with you and doing some tap dance with Joe Koala <laughs> you know and then so then yeah anyway so should I go back to should I talk about Xenon or should I talk about Black Label yeah let's let's um let's chat a little more about Black Label because I think okay. how collaborative was that like how much did you feel a part of the making of the work and a little bit about Carl's process maybe or it, vision. It really fed me in so many ways. The company, the vision for it, for the company was um, for it to be a kind of collective. Um, now it didn't really necessarily manifest in that way um, because it also takes, like it, it also takes everybody wanting to be a leader. And that wasn't always the case. Um, so, but we went into it like in this, Carl and I, we were, you know, going around the, um, biking around Minneapolis and and he was telling me this vision and I got really excited for, for this idea of, of, uh, let's, let's make something together. Now the, the, the thing is, is that he was really interested in having big diversity, people that wanted to, to move, move, uh, you know, fully and um, in this kind of athletic, con- this athletic uh, manner. But there was such a diversity, like he was so interested in a diversity as well and different ways of thinking and minds. And so we were like, you know, when we, when we started this thing, there were so many different types of bodies and, you know, the men and women were all lifting each other. So that it was really a great, you know, it was a great, it was, it was fairly new for me because coming from college, it, I was always lifting, you know, like taking. Yeah, it, yeah. It's always doing that. So it was a, it was a great uh, uh, new experience for me. I mean, we did also did that in Shapiro and Smith. We did that in your company too. So it was, it was, it was part of part of this uh, culture there. But, um, but yeah. So then we started just working with some creation of sections from rec when we we first started. Um, and I was just helping create with Jamie, with Jamie Ryan and and I, um, we were making, a uh, there was a a thing for, uh, which ballet company, but it was like the student ballet company that was at Coles. I can't remember the name of it right now, but it was, Sorry, Ballet Arts Minnesota? Yeah, maybe? yeah, yeah. It was Ballet Arts. Okay. Yeah, it was Ballet Arts. And we, we we made one section for rec and we put it on them. And that was the first thing that we we started. And um and so this I there was something that I, I felt with Carl that I I can't say that I've felt with any other creator. There was like a an understanding um aesthetic understanding you know that i i carried with me that he had already mm-hmm. and and so there was something really natural in our conversations and propelling each other into um how the company would go and i f- for me i felt so included um and that's what was great for me is that i proposed i was propo- constantly proposing things i was like yeah what do you think about this what do you think about that you know and he would say no sometimes he would be like mm, i don't know about that uh and i'd be like, okay that's fine 
and but he was so open to the proposals and 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 he was really open that for everybody anybody who was proposing things and and a lot of and we, all the movement of course was generated uh uh mixed by the company and by carl yeah um, but uh but yeah so then we we started adding more people and and developing kind of this this understanding of risk what it meant in the company and um and uh yeah it was uh it was amazing for me to be part of creating something that also fed me so much mm -hmm. uh and also to not <laughs> to not actually be the leader of it because <laughs> honestly i mean you as a choreographer you know having your own company there's so much bureaucratic and administrative stuff that you have to do and i hate that stuff <laughs> i just can't do it like i i you know and like i have i have a like right now with with the work that i'm making uh i just like the selling of the work and the all the details and uh, it's just all this office work. I, I can't, I can't do it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and with black label, I did help with some of that stuff once in a while, but, but mostly it was, we were, uh, artistically, it was the artistic aspect that was, that I really felt like I was respected in that. And, and yeah, it was, it was just a, it was a really perfect fit. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I always call you guys kind of the bromance in a way. <laughs> There's totally <laughs> bromance. Carl, yeah. Oh, I love Carl so much. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. so cool. I mean, I, I feel like it was like inseparable or or that you could see the respect for each other and the conversations that you would have. And yeah. I think that driving, you know, creative ideas. Um, very cool. When I found uh, out, like the thing is that I, for a long time, I was actually, for like at least a year when we were in, uh, uh, like any town and, and touring even, I was a bit afraid actually, cause he was always so serious <laughs> and I was like, are you, are you always, but then there was something that changed with Jamie Ryan being in the company. She was like, she would like kind of dig at Carl and he became super goofy. And when we were on tour, like I started seeing this goofy side of him. I was like, Oh yes. <laughs> <laughs> so there was something that moved and, 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 uh, I, I relaxed. And I was like, oh, I can be goofy too. I don't have to be an intellectual all the time and say like smart <laughs> things, you know? Yeah. So I, I started realizing like, oh, he, he likes me for this part of, of myself as well. <laughs> so, <laughs> Very nice. Yeah, that was a nice change. Yeah. And so I know with Xenon, you got the opportunity to, to collaborate and perform with so many different yeah. choreographers, which I think is, I think you are a process play kind of person in that creative yeah. mode at all times. So I, I just, I think, uh, could you name a few memories that stand out to you maybe of choreographers there? Uh, well, for sure, Andrea Miller. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, like there was something, there was really something I felt, felt in a connection with her. Uh, you know, she introduced like a little baby aspect of uh, Gaga um and so you know so there was this but the, the thing that was key to it was this animal part of it it was mm. like it was really like finding um how to move uh as a, in a wild way 
uh, and from your from your core, from your center. And so it really resonated with me. And and we you know and we created we created the movement, and then she she would augment it. And it was very it was very involved process. Uh, so it was it was uh, what I loved is that there was a, di- a a clear dialogue between us we as dancers and her. Um, we actually first did a piece that was um, I can see myself in your pupil. I think uh, there was a, it was already created, and so we kind of fit ourselves into that choreography. So we started to understand what it was, but then she made a, a second work on us that was brand new, and that one was it was she was like. Uh, why don't you just put Tamara, uh, have ha- Tamara hang on you, and then you hop around the stage and see how that feels. <laughs> so I did. I was like, okay, let's let's try what that is, you know. And Tamara just draped her body over me as I'm like uh, sweating and like barely able to lift my legs as I'm jumping around the stage with her. <laughs> so it was like it was a great it was a great uh, it was just fun. It was really fun. Yeah. And you could be like weird. Like that's, I think the part of it that I really enjoyed, it was like, you just kind of let your weird side out like that, that like growling. Yeah. Uh, wow. What was the piece? What was that piece called? Oh, yeah. What is the name of that? Piece? I have a B, a B in my head <laughs> as the title, but because I have to agree. Like, I feel like I, I feel like you really awakened, but I also feel like it really awakened the other dancers in the company as well. Like I, I remember that show so clearly. Yeah. Oh, so it was sexy. And, it was really sexy. It was like, yeah. <laughs> Who were the other dancers at that time? Uh, Steven and Leslie and Brian and uh, Amy. Who else is there? I'm sure Greg. Greg, I think was still there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I know I'm forgetting some other. Uh, and that's always terrible putting you on the spot like that. Yeah, I, no. It's, but, I mean, it's people I haven't talked for also for ten years. Uh, yeah, no. There's there. I know there were some more people in there. It was. I mean, it was the whole. It was all of the company at the time. So yeah. It was. Yeah. It would. Uh, I don't know. She, I feel like she, she had, uh, she also brought Fran, uh, who was like her, Fran Como, I think his name. She was uh, one of her like dancers in her company. And she was mm-hmm. such a great translator um, of, uh, of the movement and under the style. So it was, it was really great working with her as well. But uh, yeah, there was like a, f- a an energy that uh, Andrea had too. It was like, she was young, you know, uh, very, like, she had a lot of uh, charisma for, like, for like, and, like, confidence in, like, what she was doing. And so there was, it brought us all with, a, with her on that. So, no, it was a, it was a good, good show. That's so cool. Do you have other experiences that stand out at uh, your time there? Oh, sh- what's his name? Uh Oh, see, I have a, some of these names I I haven't thought of for like for at least ten years. Um, there is a piece. It will. I think the name will come back to me. That uh, I slapped Brian and I slapped each other. It was like a ballet piece, kind of. Huh. That was kind of silly in these baroque costumes, 
and there was a uh, this um man soprano singing i forget his name as well um and just one there was one section that we actually literally were slapping each other in the middle of the piece <laughs> wow and so that i don't know i was kind of it was kind of fun <laughs> <laughs> you got to slap brian <laughs> yeah, and you slapped me <laughs> we're like okay yes we will do that uh, uh morgan's piece was really fun uh, was that the one with the like the zip up unitards? Yeah, these yeah these. Uh, I think I had a pink one, and I, I really I it was great to work with her because it was I really saw like her love for dance was so clear, hmm. and and her how much time and thought she put into the work was uh, was so nice to to witness, um, and uh, and yeah also I mean we we it was about like being. You know, it was humor. It was a the, the piece was a very humorous. Yeah. So it was really fun to work with her. Um, uh, I think that wasn't like I think also Brian and I we, we were asked to like slowly go into the splits. I don't think I ever got down all the way. <laughs> <laughs> but that was part of that was one of the aspects of the piece. Yeah, I have very clear memories of that work too. So yeah. it really stands out to me from her. Yeah. That's so cool. Well, I, I think it's really interesting that the, uh, I think you have a great perspective on, on the scene here, um, mm-hmm. particularly in the fact that you are now dancing in Europe. And I feel like there's this whole idea or concept, like it was always my dream to dance in Europe myself. Yeah. Um, and, you know, as a, <laughs> uh, you know, a Pat <laughs> Patriot, uh, you know, kind of being jealous of the European dance scene of like, yeah, they get funding and they're, they really can be dancers. I wonder if you, now that you've gotten to live that for a little bit, yeah. for quite some while, some time, can you give me a, a sense of that perspective yeah. of what that looks like? Uh, well, let me just say first that one of the key reasons why I'm here is because of the McKnight. The like this when I tell people about that that um, that uh, program, mm-hmm. the McKnight Award, uh, they're like, "Wow, there's something like that actually exists." And the reason why I actually came to Europe and got connections for the first time was because uh, I, I got to commission a, a so a, you know choreographer of my choice, and I chose Roberto Olivan, who's from Spain. And through meeting him, I met some other people through um, through a festival that he, he organizes. And those connections were what brought me to come to audition for Ultima Bez. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and yeah, just it was like kind of a crazy circumstances that brought, that ha- made it happen for me to audition for Ultima Bez because I was here with Black Label Movement. We came to do a, a TED Talk and it just happened that Ultima Vez was having auditions at that time. I didn't know about them, but a friend that I had met uh, said, you should do this audition. Uh, I can get you in. I know somebody. And so I was like, mm, yeah, okay. <laughs> I, I'd, I'd seen some, some videos and stuff in it, but it wasn't like so fresh in my mind. But I, I knew that they were a big name here. 
so I was like, okay, yeah, yeah, I'll check, I'll check it out with you. I was like, at least, you know, I get a, a workshop for free. <laughs> and so she brought me and I didn't have a CV or anything. They William asked me like, oh, who are you? And I, I was like, mm, Eddie from the States. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, okay, you can stay. And so, uh, yeah, we did the audition. I had to leave half of the first day. I couldn't be there at all the second day or the fifth day. But then I came back on the third day and uh, I just had a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. And then we, we on the, on the Thursday, the fourth day, they asked me to join the company and I was completely surprised. Oh so that's, God. that's how I, I, how I got um, that door opened for me. So then I, yeah, then, then things got rearranged and I kept on thinking that they were going to change their mind because I couldn't make it for a year um, af until after I finished performing my McKnight solo and all the stuff that I had going on with Black Liberal Movement. But I moved here in 2012. And honestly, I have to say, it's one of the first times I really felt I could just uh, be an artist um, and live, live this as an artist, uh, work as an artist. Um, I had a full-time job. I mean, with, with Xenon, it was, it, it was a full-time job. It was great. You know, I mean, we was 35 weeks out of the year. Uh, it was amazing to have that, um, that consistency and security and, um, continuous work and wake up every day and get to dance, take classes in the morning. It was, that was amazing. Um, but it, uh, it was, um, it was still like, it was, you know, it was a bit hard to get by on that wage that we got. So um, it was the first time that I could, like, <laughs> I could buy, like, uh, uh, organic yogurt and not feel bad about it. You know, <laughs> I was, you know, I could go to, I could, uh, you know, uh, yeah, I could uh, go to Spain and buy, you know, buy a ticket and just uh, spend some time in Barcelona um, and travel around. And I didn't have to worry about, what you know like oh shoot when am i am i gonna uh pay for my rent or my you know so there yeah. wasn't it wasn't tons of money but it was a it was there was the social system and the the amount of uh work and the 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 amount of pay that actually we got um was i mean definitely the the most i ever have made uh in my career now we're not talking like tons of money, right? It's still, yeah, like a, yeah. you know, it still is like compared to what other people in my family make. I mean, it's like a third of what they make still, you know? <laughs> uh, so it's not, it's not like crazy, but the social system, especially here in Belgium, uh, France also has uh, a system that protects art that works with artists. Well, Germany too. Um, but they, here in Belgium, they have what's called uh statute artiste. And this is unemployment specifically for artists because they know that we can't. We're we're a, most of us are independent contractors, so to find work in between these contracts is super difficult. And to keep keep it like some kind of job, you know, like whatever waitering or you know, which is what I did. Like I was a waiter and I did you know uh, substitute teaching and all this other stuff. It was it it worked, but it was it was really it's really difficult to do that. And um, it's very draining and it's hard to find other work and to do auditions, which you're, which we're constantly doing. So, uh, and you invest a lot of your own money to do this. 
so they have this system where in between uh, some of these gigs that you might have, uh, you are supported. And it's not full the full amount that you maybe normally get, but it's enough to help you get by. And this, I have to say, uh, has been one of the main reasons this last year that I have been okay. You know, during this mm. pandemic, um, almost everything has been canceled. Like I can't tell you, yeah. like, it, like things have been canceled, rescheduled, canceled, and uh, teaching that I'm because like I, I teach often, and there's just been like a few few things that have that have actually happened, and uh, it's been really frustrating. And this, oh, and this unemployment, it doesn't, it never goes down. It, it always stays at the level that you first, uh, when you first apply. And so like, I, I, it's a, it is like a really big blessing to have this, this, uh, this possibility as, and to feel treated well as an artist here uh, and, res, you know, feel like it's important enough that, that we should get some, some, some kind of support because we, we also like, we put so much time and, and energy of our what that we don't get paid for to find yeah. work. You know, there's like for auditions and for for because we have to travel and then we have to pay for hotels and food in those places. And sometimes, you know, you're cut right away and uh, and you don't you know you don't get the job and uh, then you just have to you know eat that those costs. Mm. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean and it's we're we're not as our and dancers are like kind of the bottom of the food chain when it comes to to artists we're paid one of the the least um you know we were i've worked with with musicians that are like getting crazy amounts of money compared to what we get mm. so uh, it, it is like a it's a different world um for us but i do feel i do feel taken care of over here yeah um, not to have that anxiety or yeah. kind of stress of like oh well once this is over <laughs> and i have to find a job and apply all these different places or yeah yeah, yeah. no so it's it not, really is it's not good. easy to get like the, it, they're making it more and more difficult of course hmm. um but once you get in you can have it here in in belgium i just have to have three contracts a year to to keep it and hmm. for me i have <laughs> i often have three contracts a month you know it's i have like uh, you know, company here, company there, or three contracts with the manual GAT, you know, so it, it's not difficult for me to maintain that. Nice. Um, so I know it's a little different in France, different setup in Germany, but, mm. uh, but it's, uh, it's, it, it's really nice. And also to be respected as the, the culture here is loves, uh, you know, is really about ex like supporting art in general. Mm all over Europe. Now it's not always necessarily always seen in, um, in all the governments in Europe. I, you know, there's some that are, that love art, but they're not so, uh, supportive of dancers or su of artists when they're not in work. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, fortunately I'm in the country that is, uh, that does support that. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of great artists come out of Belgium, especially in dance, you know, like since the eighties, a lot of good companies here. Yeah. Yeah. The training, I think alone and just the different, I've always, you know, when I was in college, I was looking at all the European magazines of dance happening. That was yeah. really inspiring to me. Um, I was a huge fan of Wim Vandekabus 
yeah. who performed here at Northrop. I think I was still in college at that time, even. Yeah, which so, piece did you see? Oh gosh, I don't know. <laughs> what was uh, happening at it? Could you remember what was uh, happening? Yeah, so there, there's hammocks okay. as part of the piece, as well as a section where he's frying an egg on stage uh, with some film. I think it was about, it might've been about his father or just an elder in the community. Okay. There was a frozen shirt hanging um, from this, you know, from the rafters there at Northrop. Yeah. I was just blown away. I mean, I was just like, loved, loved his work. And so it was just like, so cool. And I totally, when I heard you were performing for them and moving to Europe, it was like, that is so perfect. <laughs> like Eddie is totally made for that work. Uh, I loved it. I, lo- I really enjoyed every moment. Yeah, it was. A, so I really got to, I, I ha- always had this, this desire to see how far I could go, how far I could push my body. And, mm. and, um, and so the first piece I, I started with the company was called uh, it was called "What the Body Does Not Remember," and it was a it was a revival of their first piece that that premiered in 1987. That kind mm. of blew uh, the dance community um, uh, by surprise. The, the it was just like this kind of theatrical move dark, uh, dance dance theater kind of thing that ha- that was. Uh, made f- through essential movement um we were throwing we throw bricks across the stage and you have to catch them or you have to move out of the way so you don't get hit yeah uh it was all about uh instinctual movement and reacting to things and uh and a lot of running you know <laughs> it was the piece we had so much running in it and i was uh, responsible for doing most of whim's role which he when they created, he was like 23, 24 years old. And so he was like all over the place and had so much energy. So like, you know, I'm like, at that time I was like my thirties, mid thirties, something like that. And I loved it. Like I loved it so much. And so I got to, I really got to push my body, uh, really far. Hmm. Um, and, and it was encouraged. Um, (laughs) but what was amazing is that you, you get to this place and you find, uh, availability in your mind and you and you perform a piece so many times that you find that where the subtle aspects can can also be a part of this and i think what i learned in in being with this company is that um yeah all this amazing um crazy movement is is really uh fun to do and 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 um you know pulls people in but even stronger is when you can find these real moments of calm mm-hmm. in between. And that, especially with what the body does not remember, was so important. You had to forget. You had to actually really forget the choreography so that you were surprised every time. So you had to find how to be relaxed in your mind, in your body. And uh, this was like such good training for me. And uh, and I think it actually was... An, key to where i went then afterwards with meditation because it was like Mm. kind of going to an extreme in one place finding a calm mind in that extreme 
place. And then I went further with, uh, with understanding what that meant um, when I started in meditation. Nice. In 2015. Incredible. And you were with Altamavez for six years almost? Yeah. yeah, yeah, six years. Also did a piece called In Spite of Wishing and Wanting, which is all men. Um, and so, you know, there were the traditionally there was like, uh, you know, often men and women in the piece where there was this, um, you know, these relationships, steamy, sexy. And in this piece, the, they had to find, really had to find uh, the men had to be all of it. They had to be soft and we had to be, um, you know, curious and and sexual and and so there was so much in in this piece i found uh i really got to dance in this piece as well so mm. i i i so much enjoyed uh touring this pieces and these this group of men that we got that i got to dance with so many different backgrounds and some more people from theater and then some people from like hip-hop and mm. uh, some people from you know uh the french contemporary scene and then me <laughs> <laughs> and where where were all these tours happening just across europe then or uh so with the, with what the body doesn't remember we actually went all over the world with this we were going we started off going to rome australia la um, new york and then we we went all through south america and also korea and hong kong and taipei Mm. And then, yeah, all over Europe, um, we were traveling constantly through through Europe. I would be back maybe a few weeks at a time, um, and then we'd go we'd go off again. Those first three years, it was crazy, uh, like Ile de la Réunion, which is this small island uh, um, that's technically part of France, but close to Madagascar. So we, were, we went everywhere. And... Um, it was a yeah. It was it was super intense, and you kind of are treated like a rock star because you're like you're with this 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 rock star this rock rock and roll kind of company, and uh, you know there were like there was there were all these um, you know invitational parties and stuff like that for for each each venue. So it was it was really it was amazing. It was <laughs> it was quite a quite an experience for me. Uh, <laughs> And then performing a piece like hundred it was like hundred eighty times or something. Wow! It was, it was a and it was a hard piece. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. So with uh, in spite of wishing and wanting, we also had a really good tour, but it was a bit more spread out, um, and uh, the economy was uh, struggling a bit more during that time. So there wasn't mm. as much touring at the time, but yeah. I feel like this sense of uh, constantly on the move and touring and, and I think kind of when I heard the name of your company as co-artistic director with uh, Jessica Iradu Anus, yes. am I saying that? Yeah, that's pretty <laughs> cool. Cool. <laughs> but my homeless lover, which I was just like, mm-hmm. I don't know, I, I kind of thought about the concept of an artist and a dancer in particular, like what a best way to actually survive (laughs) in a way is being homeless as a, as a dancer. (laughs) Uh, And with all that touring, you know, like really honing in on the craft and getting to dance and it's like, okay, 
I've dedicated my life to this. I don't need a home. I don't need a, you know, I know it sounds really crazy. I'm probably yeah. rambling on right now, but I feel like it's, it's, it's right. something exactly to right. that. <laughs> um, can you tell me about, about that? Yeah. So, I mean, uh, here in the, in this dancing here, we, you know, it's, it's, it's so, everything is close to each other. You know, all the different countries, We it's easy to fly. Here, Brussels, you're very central. So, you know, you can go to France, Spain, uh, Sweden. You know, all these places are, are not far from each other. So it's often that we're on, on the road. And I definitely, in these last 10 years, I've spent more time on the road than I have at my home, my apartment. Mm. And, um, and so you have to learn how to feel... Uh, how to yeah how to find a home wherever you go yeah and and um and it's nice it's really nice to come back but you're there for such a short amount of time that it's it never feels like you have a anchor anywhere mm -hmm. so the this idea for the company came from this this i this desire for growth because you know you get the thing is that you get comfort comfortable for too long uh, you get in a safe place, which is, you know, we desire that. We don't want to always be in danger. Of course, you need time where you really can uh, relax and and let your guard down. But, like, the places where you grow are in these places of discomfort. And, and that's the core aspect of what we want with uh, this company. And so it definitely is taken from this idea of, as an artist, you keep going out. You keep finding uh, new experiences that you can put into your art. Um, you you know you keep uh, f meeting new people that in that influence your art, and it's so you never get too settled, um, never complacent. You know, and so th I think this was the what what our desire was for the company and where the name for it came. Nice. Yeah. And you did work in uh, Geneva, Italy. Yeah, so we we premiered. So we made a piece called Pasta e Lava, and we premiered it in in Genova. And what was that, two thousand eighteen? And um, yeah, this piece was the first thing that came out of our bodies. Uh, we Jessica and I, I met each other in two thousand seventeen, and then just started um, dancing with each other. And uh, here, it, I mean, actually, I'm currently at Ultima Vez in the studio. Hmm. So they are so supportive of uh, dancers that have been come through their company that uh, if we've ever been in the company, we if there's space available here at the studio, we can reserve it for ourselves. Nice. And so uh, I, when I come to Belgium, I'm often here in the studio. And I just got done with a rehearsal with Jessica for a new work that we're, we're starting now. But anyway, this piece, uh, Pasta Lava, uh, it literally came from Jessica attempting to make lasagna from scratch. Ah. <laughs> and it was like she would add a little bit more flour and then it was too dry. And then it would, she would add um, some, some eggs and then it was really sticky. And then she would add some oil and then it was too wet. <laughs> and so there was, you know, and so by the end she had this huge ball and we and then we made some pasta and it was not 
so amazing. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but, you know, it was a first try. And she, she decided that she didn't want to ask her grandmother for the recipe. She just wanted to try it herself. Anyway, mm. so we had this big ball of, of pasta dough left. And I was like, okay. I don't know. I just took it out of the refrigerator one day and I started playing with it like a pizza. And I was like, hey, look at this. And then I, and I just put it on my face. <laughs> and, and then I started, I took a knife and I started cutting it and, and, uh, and like made a cut up slot for my mouth and for my eyes. And then she was like, that's awesome. I want to do it too. And so she took some and she put it on her face and then we just made a video of it and being creepy. And, you know, like here, you know, like right across the street, we have neighbors that were like having a dinner party. And so <laughs> they probably thought we were like insane, but we, <laughs> But we had these pasta masks, you know, with knives in our hands, cutting on our faces, and we're like, "Hmm, there's something here." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so the then we just went into the studio and and we we played we and the piece that came out was pasta lava. So we nice. played and we just found that this material was constantly changing, and it was such a great metaphor for our existence. Um, this, you know, we we, we tie, take we kind of tied into this, uh, got pulled into the myth of Sisyphus, um, and particularly the the way Cam, the Camus, the our philosopher, talks about him as this this man that's constantly pushing this boulder um, up this mm. mountain, and it will always fall back down. You know, it's he was it's he's cursed to do this, but the way Camus talks about it is that yeah, as humans, we kind of just regurgitate we do the same thing over and over again and for why i don't know uh, it's it's a it's a bit uh mysterious and and absurd <laughs> but the thing is is that we enjoy it and that is key and that's why we keep going you know we we enjoy these moments and we have these moments of of where things actually come together you know and they don't last for very long maybe they maybe uh it, you know relatively it it, it might be seem long to us but they always fall apart at the end whatever by choice by death by whatever happens uh you know grass glass that's that's uh formed will break someday yeah the, the law of entropy and and so but but these moments where they do come together where two people meet and they move together for a time um you know, they're they're special you know the the but the world constantly is moving that and you know we talk about i come from an island uh, i come from uh you know born in hawaii jessica comes from italy and we actually spent a lot of time um in in an island called stromboli with a very active volcano mm -hmm. and so we just saw that constant change that was the 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 earth itself you know keep keeps reforming it reforming and renewing and and we saw this light that was inside. We actually climbed the mountain of Stromboli and saw the, the volcano erupting and wow. uh, saw this light coming from the center of our planet. And I was like, wow, there's, there's, some, there's power here. There's light in our planet. And so we saw, we just start, started taking these elements and putting them into our understanding of how we make. And, and this piece came out of it. And so it was just a celebration of moments of crystallization and, mm -hmm. and joining uh, where two people come together and, and, and something works and we keep it and then it falls apart. And then it, so it's, it's this constant rejoining, falling apart, rejoining, falling apart. And uh, it was just a celebration of, the, of those moments. Um, so yeah, yeah we, we've, we've been able to perform it uh, several times around, 
the world, Hawaii, Portugal, several times in Italy. Uh, so we we just did it in Portugal last Halloween, which was amazing to do it on Halloween. <laughs> So and and is is the company right now the two of you like just creating between the two of you? Yeah, at the moment it is. We we would love to make larger pieces, but um, it's we're we've we it's it's a definitely a project of love. You know, it's yeah, something yeah. that we're doing because we want to travel together, because we uh, want to create together, and we enjoy it and teach and develop our own kind of philosophies. And so that's that was the main purpose of it. And uh, if we make money from it eventually, that would be great. Actually, I mean, we would love that. <laughs> we would love to be able to actually pay the bills. But that's not what is happening at the moment. Um, yeah. But, but we're we're in the process of a new creation. That at the moment it's it's going to be just the two of us dancing. Uh, but we would like to involve some musicians and costume uh, designers for it as well. And so, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's still a baby company, but nice. But the, yeah, kind of your description of it reminded me of the piece you made here, um, <laughs> which <Brown> I'm. Rocket. <laughs> that's it. Yes. <laughs> I, this theme of yeah of things falling apart. Yeah, no, that's I, I keep returning to this uh, this uh, these ideas of entropy. It's it's really core, I think, to my understanding. Yeah. Well, you and Laura Selly Vertuccio were oh, incredible. Yes. <laughs> oh, I love her. Oh, we, we talk about this sometimes. We're, we're like, oh, we should we should do Black, uh, Brown Rocket again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Brown Rocket 10 years later after she's had a baby. And <laughs> yeah. I think so, too. Well, I, I think, you know, Eddie, I've always been amazed by your collaborativeness and thoughtfulness and energy and in the process. Um, and then, of course, you have this just wonderful human, incredible presence on stage as a performer. I, I think you really draw the viewer in. I'm going to just load it on here for a little bit, okay? <laughs> um, and I, you just really are feeling the work that you're presenting, you know? I think it's it's very natural to you. Um, and it seems like the practices you're developing with this uh, with Jessica and the work you're doing, animal mindfulness and Ouija mm -hmm. kind of supports all that. Can you tell tell us about these courses you're offering with yeah, that? Definitely. Uh, thank you for saying all that. I really appreciate it, especially coming from you, because uh, when I came to Minneapolis, you were like, for me, this dancer that was like, there's something really special about you. And I loved the one of the I, one of the things that I so much loved working with you is just watching you move. There was like I don't know, like I've never met anybody that moved quite like you. So, <laughs> so, I'm so thank happy. you, <laughs> thank it, you. It, makes, it means a lot to me that you you thought I'm okay too. <laughs> yes, yeah, <laughs> definitely. So, anyway, this uh, so these courses that we've started um, I'll go back to my this when I mentioned meditation. In 2015, um, I, I uh, broke my left, my left fifth metatarsal mm -hmm. uh, doing the work for Ultima Vez. Uh, I was pushing myself um, really consistently and uh, I had a stress fracture. So it was not something that um, 
uh, I should have, I, I had a doctor that told me after six weeks I was okay. He didn't want to do a, he didn't want to do a, another scan. So I went back in and it turned out that it wasn't okay. And I rebroke it again. And then I was out for a good three months and it was really difficult for me because it was the first big injury that I ever had. Uh, and, and I really couldn't do, I couldn't dance, you know, like you, you, you break your foot. There's not much you can do, especially in a company like Ultimavis. So I really had to stop. And, um, this is after, you know, like solid, a good solid three years of touring. And I had to stop everything, just stopped. And uh, someone that I had met told me about uh, Vipassana meditation. And I was like, okay, I checked it out. And uh, they have these like 10-day courses where they teach you it. Um, you go in and you don't talk for 10 days and you meditate for like 10 hours a day and, and sit and you just by your, you can, like try to be in your own world as much as you can. Uh, there are other people there, but you don't talk and you don't have eye contact. And it was it was weird, but it was really <laughs> strong. And and through this process, I started to understand myself. I started to understand how we reacted to things. Hmm. Um, my body, you know, like I was having anxiety. Uh, I was having like weird feelings in my stomach that I didn't know why they were there. They were just like, I would wash the dishes and there was like this tension and I couldn't, I would relax it and then it would come right back. And, uh, and, and, you know, my whole life I was always doing like thrill seeking crazy things um, because my body was saying like, you need to feel present. You need to feel alive. And so I would do these things because I was like, yeah, it's true. Like I want to, like it would bring me into the moment, you know, dance, dance was a part of that as well. And, uh, and it was really key, I think, um, to why I, you know, like some, a lot of the decisions I made in my life was just like, okay, I, I need something. I need to like, I need to feel alive. I need to feel present. And, you know, and, and so I was reacting, I was always reacting to my body. Hmm. Um, and I didn't, and I didn't understand how to deal with pain either. And so through this, uh, like emotional pain. And so I carried a lot of stuff with me. And so then I started uh, doing this meditation, observing myself. It was really just, all it is is about observing my body. It's like so basic. I, I can't believe like it's not taught in like elementary school. Like hmm. just like observe what your body is doing. Understand it. Try not to like, if you need to react to it, then you make a decision to react to it. And if you don't need to, then you can just let it be and not add to it, you know? Things come and go. You let them go. Uh, let them come. Whatever. It's really super basic, and and so I, I started developing my uh, kind of organizing my life around um, this this new way of, of being, and uh, it, it really changed. It changed so much. Uh, I started to be really more comfortable with the person I am. Uh, being more comfortable with the world and how like, you know, the universe, uh, not like, not feeling like satisfied with it, but I see, you know, like I still have, I wrote a poem like a couple weeks ago that I shared. Um, it was a Vipassana poem because I was, I was feeling a lot of intensity in my body, uh, from reading the stuff that was going on in the news. And I had a good friend that's going through some emotional trouble. And I just was like, I, I was really hurting. And I just, I needed to sit down and I sat, I sat down and I just started 
paying attention. What, what was I feeling? Where was it exactly in my body? And uh, and so I wrote it down and I it just put it put it in a poem. And so this is my practice. I I go in and I check in and I see what's going on. And so with these classes, uh, with with this with what I first started with animal animal mindfulness, is how my question was: How can I still be an animal? How can I still be wild, and also thoughtful? Because it's really important to me. I don't want to become like a, a you know this like scared robot human being you know like i see some people that misunderstand they think what meditation is supposed to be it like they think that this kind of way of being means that you need to be always quiet and you need to always um you know not not feel anything and i don't think really that's about it. i think it's you can feel everything but you don't have to hold on to it and and you can let it make choices to be uh you know to react strongly if you need to but you don't have to. And so that's what is what I, I'm really curious about in this, this study uh, with animal, animal mindfulness. It's like, how can we access that wild part? Hmm. You can't trick it. You can't trick that wild character inside of you. You can't sneak up on it and, and capture it. You, know? you can't pretend to be wild. It has to be real. But you are only going to let it, it's only going to come out uh, if it feels also safe and and it doesn't feel forced and it doesn't feel captured. And so you have to l- just let it be, let it exist inside of you, not say that it's a bad thing, not think that it's a bad thing, not uh, push it away as well. So like this balance, you know, how can we, how can we live and be who we are and not hurt other people or hurt ourselves? Uh, you know, and, and this really came out of my injury. You know, I was like, I, I, wasn't paying attention to my body and therefore I, I hurt myself and so uh this is what i'm my my journey is and what i'm trying to share with animal mindfulness with ouija with jessica it takes that idea being okay good with yourself you need to have that first you know you need to be observing and and good with yourself and then you can take that whatever have you have left over and bring it that attention to another body and you can bring that conversation that sensitivity that you have available uh, into touching another body. And so this means that if we come into like a clear, open, like we're, I'm taking care of myself, you're taking care of yourself, and we are both communicating what we need, then where we can go, there's no limit to it, right? Like it's not, yeah. it, it's not like we have to be less, um, you know, like the, 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 the times are changing, you know, we have to take care of one another. We have to support uh, the, the, the different boundaries that people have. Uh, and, we, and we need to receive communication and communicate those things. And so that this, this, uh, this partnering class is really about not just communicating, you know, like not just communicating through verbal, but you, you, there's so much that we can communicate through our bodies and listening. Um, if we're sensitive to our bodies, we can hear what's going on in another's and um and so you never force it's never about forcing somebody to do anything it's about uh you know finding that with your body but if you have to you talk about it as well um and so but then we can go to a wild place together and yeah. i think that is actually the key like what we we can go wild but it has to be together you know like let's not force another person to do, to do it and then it's going to be so much like more fun for everybody 
so that's really that's that's what we're trying to do with our partnering class is like okay let, uh, let's let's first be sensitive let's find how, that sensitivity and listening and then um, you know gradually then we can once we have that trust then let's then we can go for it and that's how Jessica and I have been I think from the beginning nice what was the the meditation again that you were practicing can you say the name again uh, uh, vipassana it's called vipassana yeah okay. it's only i mean there are a lot, lot, many ways i think to uh, awareness i mean yoga is built on this as well um it's but it's not just awareness actually it's awareness and uh and choice making then like so you have to be aware and and then find how you can be calm and observe it and make a choice from that awareness so not letting that awareness drive you crazy because it, you can get all this awareness and then it can go make you like mad because you're so sensitive you know, yeah. some sensitive people that go to to drugs and alcohol um, yeah. because they don't know how to, then to uh, let it be let it exist inside of them mm. but yeah so yeah with uh, and then the, the the name of the class Ouija comes from this idea of uh, this um, subconscious the subconscious level of uh, of our bodies that you know like with a Ouija board um, we have uh, these subconscious expectations that that are ultimately responsible for the movement that happens there are a lot of this these idiomotor kind of uh, idiomotor um, uh, phenomenons that happen uh, you know with like even like w with uh, what is called um, you take the two wires looking for water which is kind of Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, like we, I think there's something deep inside of us that that has this uh, these animal, these instincts for for certain things of, and attentions that we're not aware of, and our, that our subconscious uh, can take can take us into places that we can't necessarily go uh, on our own in in just like understanding our normal yeah. way of understanding. It's like so, intuition, natural. Yeah. It's it's intuition, but the more you hone your sensitivity, the higher, I think, more accurate your intuition could be. Yeah. So it's this idea of like, okay, let's, how, let's hone our, our, our skills of, of awareness and attention. And then that, you know, like it's Steve Paxson says of a contact improvisation, we have eyes all over our body. Um, it's this idea of like, okay, every, every inch of our body is giving us information uh, the, our ears and our eyes, our breath, everything, all this. So we take all of that information and that's how we can connect with that other person. And so that's ultimately what we're trying to do. Nice. And we can get these online virtually right now or? Uh, not at the moment. <laughs> it, I did, when I was in Hawaii, I was doing some, some classes. Um, uh, but, excuse me. But uh, when I, yeah, when I was in Hawaii, I was doing these classes, but um, right now, we're i'll be teaching oh i'll be teaching animal mindfulness here in belgium in a few weeks and that won't be offered online um but I, you know i think i think uh we're we're considering to do this more and more because i don't know i had a good experience when i was in hawaii doing it and if you have the right kind of equipment i don't know it, it's not not as bad <laughs> as yeah I, as i've as I've, I've had some experiences where i was like i don't really like this <laughs> but uh yeah at the moment we don't have anything online that we yeah teach. well i hope to see you perform again here in the twin cities oh, I would love 
<laughs> we have to figure it out. Uh, either it's my homeless lover or uh, Emmanuel Get Dance, yeah, you know. Emmanuel. Walker, Northrop, where are you? <laughs> you know. Yeah, like let me put a plug in there. Love yeah. Train 2020 is touring right now. It's amazing work with Emmanuel Gatt. Uh, we just, uh, it's really opens my heart uh, to this, to the uh, Tears for Fears music. And it's mm. great. It's such a good, good piece. And, uh, and then we're also doing an, a new work uh, as well called Act Two and Three of the opera Tosca. Uh. And, and it's going to be, um, it's going to be also a really great show. We're going to premiere it in October and then eventually it will be be out there. And so I'm really I'm really happy with the work that I'm doing with Emmanuel right now. Yeah, I'd say I didn't wanna... talk much about it, but it, uh, it's a great process. We have we get so much. He gives us so much responsibility as artists and so much trust. Um, it's uh, it 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 also it feeds me uh, as an artist when we feed yeah. each other. The company is is so phenomenal as well. Well, it looks incredible. I'm a completely new follower. I'm like, I want to see what they're doing. Yeah. <laughs> so it'd be so great to make it happen. And yeah, and we're, we're I don't know. A U.S. tour next year, so okay, that would be great. But also, I mean, of course, my homeless lover would love to perform. <laughs> <laughs> well, so cool. Thank you so much, Eddie, for your time. And again, I feel like. I could chat with you for quite some time. <laughs> it's so great to get a glimpse into into the world there and all that you've done. And I, I am so grateful to uh, to have you grace my rehearsal and process and, and the Twin Cities dancing here to get to see you and all that you're doing. It's really great. It's, uh, it's really great to hear from you. <laughs> it's, uh, we had so much fun i remember like these some of these these times with the the fashion shows and stuff like this that oh gosh oh, it was so great it was so much fun uh, uh, yeah. i loved it well thank you eddie you have a great one you too love you thanks for joining us today next week we speak with a choreographer performer teacher and professional movement therapist who presents the work as movement architecture jinza thayer